dizziness. Breathless. Absolutely wiped out. Flushing on my face. Tinnitus. My sense of taste and smell would come and go. Skull cracking headache down the left side of my head. I'd say I've lost about 30% of my hair. I couldn't understand what was wrong with me. I, I thought this is weird. This is all in my head. I'd never experienced anything like this before. Hi, my name's Noreen Jamil and this is... Emily-Kate Stevens. Both of us have been diagnosed with long COVID. Both of us are busy mums. We led fairly healthy and active lives before being hit with the coronavirus last year. And both of us have seen our health decline after recovering from the virus. Not willing to let our symptoms go undiagnosed, we've worked hard to seek help and have learned a lot since we embarked on this journey several months ago. This podcast is to share what we've learned and to search for answers for the millions of people around the world that are suffering from post-COVID syndrome. We'll start by sharing our stories and invite you to share yours with us. So Emily, how was your week this week? Um, My week has been up and down. I think like most weeks with long COVID. I actually felt quite good towards the end of last week, but but I never know when things are going to hit. So I did try and go for a run, and I think that that has uh, caused me two days of proper exhaustion. How was your week? So my week was actually, up, like you, up and down. I started off quite well, and I've slowly declined um, as we've gone on. I feel like I'm hitting another down wave where I can feel my palpitations getting worse. I can feel my sleep patterns getting worse. I can feel my energy levels dropping. um, And I'm feeling a little bit off balance. So when I'm out and about, I just feel a little bit off balance. I know exactly that feeling. That's I, I have exactly the same thing. A slight dizziness, slight feeling like your eyes are going in a slightly different direction to your body. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, so you just have to be a bit more careful when you're, when you, I mean, you can seem fairly normal and you're walking around fairly normal, but like, I know it's there. It's not bad enough for me to have to sit down or stop what I'm doing, but it's really off-putting and it gets worse when I feel worse. And sometimes it goes away completely. So, you know, hooray for long COVID. So should we just talk a little, explain to, to people why we have set up this podcast? Yes. I mean, both, we found each other we knew we knew each other, but we didn't know each other well. But we seem to have bonded over the fact that we've both got long COVID. But you know, we're one of a lot of people, or two of both of us between us. Like when we just talk, you know, we are finding out information and sharing it with each other. But I feel there's a lot of people, in, just in this country, that are dealing with the same things we are. This is one of the things that we're trying to do with this um, podcast. We're trying to get information to our audience. Um, about the research and about the data. So we've we've been talking to experts and doctors. We're just trying to get, bring you as much information as possible um, from as many different um, sources as possible. And one of the people that we spoke to recently was Julie Stamber from the ONS, which is the Office of National Statistics. We wanted to find out what figures there are now on the number of people suffering with long COVID in this country. And this is what she had to say. Yes, so the Office for National Statistics um, set up the Coronavirus 
infection survey during the pandemic to um, estimate the number of people that were uh, catching, uh, being infected from COVID-19. Um, and then in recent months, we have included some new questions about long COVID. And we have found that at the beginning of May this year, that around 1 million people living in private households um, were experiencing self-reported long COVID. And by that, we mean people that have had cis, uh, symptoms that have been lasting for more than four weeks after when they were suspected of having COVID-19. And th that those symptoms can't be explained by something else. I mean, for me, it was a fairly mild case of COVID where I had maybe four or five days of feeling unwell and then felt fine for a good month to six weeks and then started to decline. What physically happened to you or mentally? I just started to notice different things. Like, you know, I didn't even connect it to my COVID, to be honest. Um, I started to notice that I would get a tight chest and I assumed it was my asthma, um, but it wasn't. Uh, I'd find that when I was walking up and down the stairs, I could feel my heart racing. And I and I have an Apple Watch, so I would then, you know, have a check. It's not normal that your heart's going up between 120 and 140 just by getting up and moving around. Were you getting out of breath? Yes, it makes you breathless. Yeah, I mean, I think I had that when I actually had COVID and I would walk up I, I, I sort of 10 days in and I walked up half a set of stairs to the bathroom and I was out of breath just from that. And my husband yeah. said that he thought it was because I hadn't exercised for 10 days. Um, but it, it was massive shift. I, I, I mean, I was completely able to breathe before. Yeah. I could go up and down stairs before. <laughs> it was not a problem. <laughs> In fact, I was fairly active. You know, I didn't, I, it just makes you feel like an old lady, honestly. Like you're creaking up the stairs, you're, you're having to sit down. And I did not, put the COVID and what I, what my symptoms were together at all. I was convinced I had a heart condition. So I took myself off to see a heart specialist and he took one look at me and said, it's long COVID. Have you had COVID was his first question. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just, you know, recently, I'm sure I've had this for a long time. Like what's going on? But uh, no, he immediately recognized it as long COVID. So he basically said that he's seen a lot of people in recent months with the, exactly the same symptoms that I had. And after it was after I had my kind of heart issues, there were other issues that come with it, such as the dizziness. And that's um, related to the heart or is that separate? I think it's a separate thing. I mean, who knows? I'm not a doctor. Um, I hope the doctors will find out what's going on. But all these various symptoms that, I mean, they say 205 symptoms, possibly. Yeah, 10, 10 systems of the body. Yeah, so my blood pressure was all over the place as well, which I've, I've always had perfect blood pressure. And I used to run and I was fairly fit. So, yes, in recent months I wasn't doing as much as I used to, but I couldn't account for all my symptoms. I had a huge hair loss. I've lost, I'd say, at least 30 or 40% of hair on my head unfortunately nowhere else <laughs> <laughs> but the hair on my head is definitely reduced 
Um, and that's ongoing. Um, I felt like my eyesight had gotten worse. Yeah, I, I definitely experienced that. So I went off to an optician and he said, no, it's, it's exactly the same. And I'm like, well, I can't see sometimes as well as I used to. And he says, well, it's got yeah, nothing to do with your I've eyes. I've done exactly the same. It's, it's almost like I it, things are actually blurry. I try to read and things are blurry, but I did the same thing. Went to the optician, no change in my prescription. Sometimes when I'm looking at uh, certain websites on my phone, which I know you shouldn't, it's bad for you, but uh, they make me feel giddy Like as I scroll through. Oh, yeah, scrolling. Makes me feel very sick. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I have a huge range of symptoms. I, you know, and they change. Like most recently I had a, I woke up for a good 10 days and I had such stiff joints and I hadn't had it in the six months that I've had long COVID. I've never had the stiff joints before. Um, But you know, you have other symptoms that I don't have, such as the neurological ones. Yeah. I think that you could, um, possibly group some of my symptoms to being neurological my main thing was I got a headache I got COVID in March 2020 and it started with this skull cracking headache down the left side of my head and I've basically had that headache to varying degrees for the last 15 months and it comes and goes and sometimes it progresses to migraines that I can't literally can't lift my head up from the the pillow I can't bear light I can't bear sound um and that's the most debilitating in addition to that I've just had a lot of different things like you say out of breath um dizziness some days I'm just really weak heart palpitations it feels like popcorn in my chest mine mine feel like I'm on a roller coaster and suddenly that's it your heart racing no my heart it's not racing it's like going at a normal kind of tempo and then suddenly it'll go out of tempo and then you'll get an extra heavy beat and it literally I'm brown skinned I will look white because it's just such a shock to the system and sometimes you know if they're really bad you can feel nauseous you can feel anxious yeah no those are those symptoms the cardiac symptoms are my worst ones my most bizarre symptoms I'll tell you my most bizarre symptoms that my in my right ear, I have a creepy crawly feeling. It's not the tinnitus that a lot of people have described. Yeah, I have the tinnitus. Mine is like I have an earwig or something crawling around in there. And it got so bad that I went to see my GP. And I said, please have a look in my ear. I think there may be a spider or something, you know, setting up house. And she checked and she just really dismissed me. And she said, no, there's nothing in there. It's not even swollen. Off you go. You're fine. And um, I, I find that quite irritating it's not constant thank god but it's there but i think one of the things with this is that um there are these things that sort of have no explanation something crawling in your ear what is that that sensation and it's not as if you can attach it to others of your symptoms no for both of us we have kind of a very traditional histamine reactions to stuff so we're it looks like we're allergic to something so i'll get flushed cheeks and my skin will feel hot and you know in the beginning i just popped a few periton and hope for the best uh, but that seems to be like a quite a common symptom yeah because i bump into people who've got who've had covid and especially you know women of a certain age like myself i'll bump into other mums on the school run who've had covid and they'll have these little rosy round cheeks and I'll ask, and they'll go, yeah, yeah, it just came up since COVID. I don't know what it is. 
Maybe we should call it paver cheek. Do they? No, I think we should. I think we should definitely. Paver cheek. I quite like that. We'll use that. <laughs> but that's gone in the, the this the last few weeks or so. That's 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 gone. But it was really severe for a good two months. And that fl- flushing it, it also makes your face feel hot. Yeah. And and can you feel it in the rest of your body? Do you have, does it have an effect in the rest of your body? No, I feel heat. I feel just generally very hot. Yeah. Especially at night, my feet and my hands become quite tingly and hot. So again, like you could assume it's anything, right? You could assume it's, you know, women, hormonal issues or whatever, but it's definitely come on since COVID. And, and I have the opposite. I have tingling in my... Uh, in my fingers but it's like they're really cold it's like they feel numb I can't get any sensation in them and I certainly didn't have that before so that's the thing so we have such differing symptoms we share common symptoms but we have such differing symptoms that you'd think we'd have different things like we you know you have x and I have y but we don't we both have long covid which I think makes it even harder to treat yeah Um, and actually hard to diagnose in the first place yeah i i can see how i can see how as doctors were just dealing with trying to save people's lives we are now part of this unfortunately part of the second wave who survived the covid but have possibly long-term impairment from it and i think it we'd both say that we didn't have covid particularly badly neither of us were hospitalized but the subsequent impact of these symptoms on our lives is huge. I've got allergies to such an extent now that I can't eat. Um, I can't eat most things. I'm on a low histamine diet because every time I drank coffee or um, had alcohol, chocolate, so many, lots of different fruits, I just get a reaction and it's no longer worth it to feel like that. But is that has has your symptoms from from the allergies become worse since COVID? Because you had allergies before, right? I had I had mild allergies before, and I'd get eczema. Now, when I eat something that's sort of termed a high histamine food, um, I have a proper reaction. I get I I feel like I have a constriction in my throat. I feel like I can't get air into my lungs and I get hot I get the flushing when I've eaten something and these I didn't have any of those things before yeah no for me I definitely feel like COVID has put some ailments on turbo it's just like it's kind of ramped up everything that my body's trying to deal with COVID's just making everything just a little bit worse or a lot worse Emily how difficult was it for you initially to get help so I have now had long COVID for 15 months. Um, When I first experienced what I now understand to be long COVID, it was about three weeks after I had COVID. And long COVID at that stage was not even a phenomenon. It was not something anyone was aware of. And I thought at the time, I remember emailing my employer and saying, I think I've got COVID again. After that, it was a sort of every three weeks, I was getting a really bad bout. And there was no information out there there was very little uh media coverage of it um and i could not get an appointment 
with the GP because I didn't have any kind of urgent medical issue. So um, I eventually got an appointment with the GP, I think, in November or December. Um, and I was told, yeah, you might possibly have long COVID, but there's nothing we can do about it. About two months later, um, I tried to get another appointment with the GP and I managed after four days to get a telephone appointment. Um, and again, I I had to struggle to get that appointment because I was told that my case, my symptoms were nothing urgent. Um, and I had a telephone appointment with the doctor where I was told that headaches were not a symptom of long COVID. So it was only in March of this year that I read about uh, a doctor who I thought might be able to help me. And I then fought to get an appointment with him because I was not able to get help anywhere via my GP. Well, we know now that headaches are one of the key symptoms for long COVID. It's like one of the main signifiers, isn't it? Yeah, but I just don't know how well informed the GPs are about the condition. We spoke to Claire Steves, who set up the Zoe app to track the COVID symptoms at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was one of the first data sets that started to highlight um, the instances of long COVID because people who had been reporting on their COVID symptoms started reporting five, six weeks later that they were still having these symptoms. And she speculated about why doctors might not be referring us. I think that's a very good question. And I think that um, for sure, right now, general practitioners are not sort of um, coding and labelling the post-COVID syndrome at the rate that we would expect from research studies that they should be. And I think that that has multiple potential reasons. Um, I think it, it might be partly reticence on doctors' parts to not label something um, before they've fully investigated it. Um, but also, I think that um, there's probably still a lack of awareness um, and an ability to then make that into um, a, a diagnostic code. And I think that's really it's really important that GPs do that, even if there isn't enough research yet showing us really good, effective management strategies for it, because it's by doing that that we can really understand it as we go forward. Um, uh, and also, it's very helpful, I think, for, for patients, as you said, um, going to see that consultant and them saying to you, actually, you've got symptoms which I recognise and I think is due to this. I, I would imagine it probably was quite helpful and relieving for you to have had that um, discussion and that sort of validation of your symptoms. One of the things that was massive for me was... Um, the feeling that I wasn't being believed, that I was somehow making this condition up. Um, and that was sort of corroborated by my lack of um, help from the GP. And I do think that um, COVID caused a massive mental demise for me, depression, anxiety, complete social withdrawal. I, I didn't I didn't speak to or, or see friends. Um, and I had these horrendous mood swings. And I don't have a history of, of any of that. And I am um, I remain convinced that that was or is the long COVID that has done that rather than it 
being my psychological reaction to the, the long COVID. Did you have the brain fog? No, I didn't have any of the brain fog or the headaches. But it has made me quite depressed because I haven't been able to do what I normally do. So I, I know I get anxiety as a physiological response to cardiac issues. That's well known. I mean, if you're about to have a heart attack, you feel very anxious. Your body just goes into an absolute meltdown of anxiety. That's a well-known response. But I think for me, just just the fact that I can't do things, like I want to travel later this summer when we can, but I'm questioning whether I'll be able to handle it. You know, will my body be able to go through the airports with two kids and then, you know, pack and unpack and do the, you know, all the extra stuff that we have to do now, like a million COVID tests and and just get from A to B without needing you know, to lie down or feel dizzy. And that makes me actually really sad and depressed. And it's, it's coming to terms with the idea that this is a long-term illness that may or may not go away, that may or may not have a potential cure. I mean, the rational side of my brain says, look, I understand why the GPs didn't know about this because it's so new. We're hitting all these different systems in our body. And, you know, it might not just be one magic pill. It may be 15. Or it may be just something, you know, go and lie down for six months and you'll feel better. Who knows? But, but I think that is a conversation we need to have as well because of the the um, impact that it is having on people's lives. Our ability to just do simple things. Um, even some days I can't get out of bed to take my kids to school. Um and the impact that that is going to have on on the economy of the country, uh, the impact that that has long term on how you actually live your life. Because hopefully one day we are going to come out of this pandemic and we are no longer going to be predominantly sitting in our houses. We will be wanting to go back out into the world and, as you say, travel and do those things. Um, and we need to work out strategies for how we are actually going to look after the people who are affected long term. I mean, I think there's a growing realisation of not just in the science and medical community that there is this phenomenon, but amongst people like you and me at home who suddenly realise, no, it's not because I've been sitting inside for, you know, for eight, 15 months that I can't go for a walk anymore. It's because I have maybe some other things going on, you know, and unless we get, get out there and say, hey, you know, Mary over there with your facial flushing, that probably is post-COVID. Why don't you go and have it checked out? Instead of her thinking, you know, she needs a new face cream. I mean, we have come far in, in a year. It's amazing how far we've come in a year. From from no one knowing what this disease was to, you know, not just one vaccine being developed, but many. Multiple vaccines. You know, we are so lucky that, you know, the science community is so focused on, on the coronavirus and long COVID at the moment that, a lot of research is being done, and we spoke to Dr. Elaine Maxwell, who authored the NIHR review, which is basically collating all the research papers around the world uh, into one kind of review paper that will summarise what's going on in different parts of the world in terms of research and treatments. And she was actually quite hopeful. I, I do believe that we have the capacity to do good science and understand it and cure it. But we're very 
Leon, as I say, it doesn't feel like it to you. But in terms of understanding and treatment of a new disease, we've come further in a year than we have in any other disease in the history of humankind. So I am positive in the long term that we will understand what causes it and we can treat it. But in the meantime, I think we have to recognise that there will be a growing number of people who are quite debilitated by it for more than a year. And we have to think about how we're going to support people with that whilst we're working on the science on how to treat it. And you'll be able to hear the whole of the interview that we did with um, Dr. Maxwell in our next session. So the good news is that we are now recognised this is a recognized condition and science is working at breakneck speed to help people like us. And what we're doing for the TLC sessions is to talk to doctors, talk to experts, talk to you, people who are suffering. Tell us about what your symptoms are. Tell us how it happened. Tell us what you want to know. Yeah, we want to hear your stories. Are you still stuck on, you know, in bed? Like there are, we are, I consider myself quite lucky. I have quite frightening symptoms but I'm still able to get up and do what I need to do in terms of taking care of my kids and my house and doing some work and but some people haven't been back to work in five months and or six months even. Aldera is rather hilarious trying to get two people with long COVID to record a podcast uh, when they're both in <laughs> yeah. sufficient health to do so. Yes. Uh, hi, Emily. I'm not feeling great today. Can you do it tomorrow? And then you're like, hi, Noreen. Uh, sorry, today's not a good day. I'm shaky. But we're getting we're there. We're getting there. We are. We are. We're doing it. Like, you know, the website is going to be up and running. Yeah. Please have a look at the website. We'll put all our links on there for you. But do write in. Tell us what's going on. And if you're a doctor, if you've got new information, if you've got new research, if you need people to take part in a trial, call us. We are trying to create a community around this new disease. Join us next week as we get information from top medical professionals. Share your stories and questions at tlcsessions.net. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram for the latest updates. And if you found this interesting, please do subscribe.